to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. We're going to continue our series in the markers, markers of the garden. Um, we're doing this series because we, we, we really wanted to rally our church around the things that are most important to us as not just followers of Jesus, but as um, as the garden. And we, we've been teaching uh, on Jesus and we want our church to be committed to Jesus primarily, uh, that we would be an authentic community, a family as the garden, that we would be passionate worshipers. Um, and last week we listened to Suresh, and I don't know what you took away from Suresh, but I know he said that one day we're going to die, and um, that's what I remember. <laughs> and it, 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 no, and he told stories and, and through his life of the mission of God. The mission of God is to um, not just seek and save the lost, um, but to make disciples of all nations, to um, uh, preach the gospel to all of creation, uh, to bring justice to the suffering and mercy to the hurting and brokenhearted. Uh, the mission of God is simply to continue to do what Jesus has been, what he's been doing and what he did on earth. Um, and so as the church, we just carry on that mission. Um, and so uh, that's what we've been talking about today. I'm going to talk about something that I'm very passionate about. And so, you know, my sermons are usually crafted in a particular style and format, and I just have to let you know this is a little different because I am um, very c- convinced that we, as the garden, must commit ourselves to being a spirit-filled church. Um, and to be fully honest, that hasn't always been my experience in the church, and um, it's very easy to be a program-driven church, a comfortable church. A church that um, uh, finds itself um, doing what it's always done. Does that make sense? And when I say spirit-filled, I want to help define what I think that means for us. And so for the Marker series, um, you know, these convictions of when we talk about Jesus, we, we define who we're talking about. When we talked about mission and family, and we've, when we talked about worship, each week we've kind of given you, this is what we're talking about. This is what we mean. When we say missional, this is what we mean. When we say Jesus, this is who we mean. And so today I want to talk about the Spirit. I want to talk about what it means to be a Spirit-filled church, what it means for you to be a Spirit-filled person. But on all of these subjects, we have to recognize that, um, and, and some of you, this might, you might not know this, but we have to recognize that our theology is shaped by our experience, and our experiences shape our theology. And so it's important for us to, to root all of our theology from the Scripture, but also recognize that, that our experiences shape our theology. Um, I grew up in a, in a household and, and as a Christian, and I went to a church that was an amazing church, but the, what I experienced there was the, the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, the Trinity, the evangelical Trinity, the conservative evangelical, non-charismatic, to use language that might be helpful for some, uh, church. And, and the reality was that, w- that fit the experience I had there. We didn't have prayer time. Um, we would have prayer meetings, and usually that involved reading scripture <laughs> out loud together. Um, um, but my experience wasn't seeing uh, the things that I read about later on in life when I started reading my Bible. Um, 
it, it, it didn't, it didn't start, uh, I didn't see what the New Testament demonstrated and i didn't see the stories today like uh i would hear about missionaries in africa you know you know i'm talking about third world country where where, like people would be healed of blindness and i I heard of those stories but i was also cautioned to be uh keep away from those kinds of churches i just want to talk very openly today because i think it would be helpful for us to get on the same page when we talk about being a spirit-filled church. So my experience with that type of church affected my theology. I, and, and you know what? Whether you, let me make it even further. Um, this happens all the time. So that was my, my church experience with the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we know what we're talking Some of us have had those experiences on the other side where there's no Bible. There's nothing but Spirit. There's prophecies equal to the Word of God. Uh, it's whatever the pastor says is the highest authority. That's not good. Do you know that? That's not biblical. Neither is a church on the other side that says the gifts are not for today. That is not a biblical concept. And so we find ourselves in this tension of, uh, of a, a spirit and word journey um, uh, where, where we want to uh, go after the things that are for us. As Mike said on Thursday, Mike Pilavachi, for those of you that came to the Moore Conference, all of Jesus' ministry is for all of the church. All of Jesus' ministry is for all the church. It's for all of us. Not just the people with microphones or have been educated. It's for everyone that says yes to Jesus. The Spirit wants to fill us in such a way that we continue to do what Jesus did. That's what we're talking about here. So your experience has shaped that. So for those of you that have had fathers abandon you in your childhood, how do you relate to a father who is God? I can't tell you how many people when I, when I pray for them and I just remind them of God's love and that God, you're, the, you're valuable and you're worthy, that somehow their identity has been shaped by their experience in life and they don't seem to think of themselves as worthy to God or good enough for God because their experiences shaped that view of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it works the other way. If we think God is angry, how does that manifest itself in our lives? We become anxious. If he's, if he's waiting to, 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 to give us a, you know, a ticket when we mess up, if, if, he, if you think like, hey, I've, I've had all this good going on, God's going to pull my card and something bad's going to happen. If you think that's what God's like, that affects the way you live in your everyday ordinary life. And for us, the church is to be the dwelling place of the living God. And when we say church, it's us. People, flesh and blood, you, stay-at-home moms, you, uh, uh, principals and teachers, you, uh, students, you, uh, seminary professors, you you are the, the dwelling place of the living God, the household of God, the bride of Christ, the pillar of truth in this world. So, how... How do we learn to follow the Spirit as a church? And I just have to tell you, um, this deeply affects me because um, this topic, because I have been deeply affected by the Spirit. So I, I grew up in, in, in a non-charismatic understanding of God. and it believe, It's cessation theology, believing that the gifts died out with the apostles and the closing of the canon, which is our Bible. Um, and... And uh, I, I, that, that's how I lived the, like my, my Christianity out. 
So why would I pray for sickness if that's what God wanted for them? You know, that was my, my theology back then. But then I was 22, and I was working at a church called Rock Harbor. And I, I, my theology shifted, and it was very open to those things. But I had never experienced the power of God in a tangible way. I was a passionate follower of Jesus. I was filled with His Holy Spirit, you could say. But I had never experienced an environment that practiced words of knowledge, speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing and interpretation and words of wisdom. I never saw it played out. The only places that I, I, I watched it was TBN late at night for entertainment. And that didn't do any good for me. And it's not that God doesn't use that or hasn't used that. That's just not what my experience was and not what I want my experience to be in the future. Nothing against that. Um, I believe God is so desperate to, to be in charge of his church that he'll use whatever's breathing. So uh, whoever's not against Jesus is for him, right? So let's not, let's not bash other churches and church experience. But my experience was I grew up in it. I didn't have it. And then I went to London. It's an important story because it changed my life. I met this church in central London. John Peters is the vicar, the pastor. Every year he comes out and ministers here to us. Um, and he, he and Barry Kistel and their staff talked about this, this very western church, central London. As cool as you can get in London, if you like London, London is a beautiful city. I mean, we're in this, off of Bond Street, and I mean, it's just amazing community. And they talked about atheists becoming Christian, being converted radically in London. We're not, and the way they would be converted is sometimes words of knowledge on the streets, prophecy on the street, healings were happening on the streets of London, and hundreds, if not thousands, in their lifetime have accepted Jesus at this church. And the Christian life they're invited into is to see the normal works of the Spirit in everyday, ordinary life. And I, I was a Christian my whole life, and I had never experienced it. I was fascinated. I was a pastor. I was a young pastor at Rock Harbor Church. Three months on the job, so excited to get a paycheck from the church. Seriously, I was like, it was my dream. I was doing setting up chairs for the, as a living, um, basically, and like doing emails. That's what ministry was at Rock Harbor for the first part. And then they said, "Hey, do you guys want want us to pray for you to experience this stuff?" And I was absolutely terrified. What do you mean, just pray that I would experience it? They're like, just close your eyes, or it's not going to be weird, and keep your hands open. Right, close your eyes. It's not going to be weird. Keep your hands open. And you've heard me say this to you, so you know where it came. So there I was, and, and this is what happened. <clears throat> I've shared a little bit about it, but this is my personal story. A guy comes up to me and <clears throat> quietly whispers into my ear, God's telling me that you have hated yourself for quite some time, and that when you were younger, you tried to kill yourself. All true stories. In high school, I, I wanted to commit suicide because of body image issues. And I had dealt with self-hatred most of my life. And then he began to speak God's affirming words of love and design and purpose over me. And I began to experience this peace and joy while I wept hysterically. I felt this heaviness come on me, and this is all, at the time, I had no idea what was going on. I felt like I would fall over, so I'm like, I'm not that kind of person. I don't fall over. I'm too intellectual for that. And then I, I, I ended up sitting down, and um, <laughs> I kept making sure everyone else had their eyes closed so they didn't see me weeping. And he began to prophesy, speak encouraging 
uplifting, strengthening words into my soul about things that he should never know in the first place. And then talked about me planning a church eventually in my future. And no, no desire to plant a church, no calling on my life to do that. I, I did not want to do I love Newport Beach. I would not want to plant a church anywhere else. And I experienced the love of God poured out in my soul. And it was undeniable. I was filled with the presence of God. I met the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. He knows, like, I thought he read my journal. So I, I literally looked for my journal being open and it wasn't. It was like tucked away. But he, he, I, I, I was at first fascinated by that. But then all of a sudden I just, God, you're real. You care so much about me that this stranger is speaking from your mouth to my heart. And all of a sudden I can't help but be caught up into worship. You're so good. That was my experience. And that changed me. I went to India the next day on a trip and God said, plant a church in Long Beach. In my head. And I was, in, I, got, I was engaged at the time. And that summer, my wife and I got married, Alex. And, you know, we started a project. A, a year later, we started the Long Beach Project, the missional community here in the city. And we were commuting from Newport. And I just have to make an, a clear observation. Long Beach is not Newport Beach. Okay. And if there's anything I've learned in urban missions of church planning, it's that. And it's an observation that Long Beach gets, but there's some truth to it. It's not the suburban city I came from. And Alex said to me at one point, the last place on earth I would live is Long Beach. So that was really frustrating until God spoke to her. And this is what happened. This, it, it wasn't this uh, voice inside, like, thus saith the Lord. It was this idea that was a virus in my head that wouldn't go away. And I, I, Alex heard it too. And at that point, um, we recognized that it is safer to move to a new city that you don't know anyone in, obeying God, than to hear God's voice and not obey. I would rather live, and this is from my wife. She said, it was, it was, I was more afraid of living here than here. And then Long Beach became a place where God not only gave us a heart for the city, but we love this place. And at first I had no desire. And so people ask me, why are you going to Long Beach? Because I have to. (laughs) Some of you are here, this is a side note, and there is something on your heart you don't want to do, but you know you have to. I want to affirm that that's God's voice in your life. That he doesn't always give us a passionate heart for things. Sometimes we have to reluctantly drag our feet so that one day we'll see all of the God story in our life. You with me? This is the story of following the Holy Spirit. And so what happened in London became a pillar because what I decided from that point forward, and then I heard God say, Planet Church in Long Beach, is I want to be a part of a community that does what I experienced there for other people. What if we could create a community that would pray and we would see healing? What if we could be a community that would pray for financial provision and God would provide? What if we could do what Jesus talked about happening in the church today? What if that's possible? And so at Rock Harbor, we didn't have a place for it. So my wife and I, a month into our marriage, don't do this if you're newlywed. We started a small group with all of our other non-married friends. Um, and, and a month in, it started with 20, and the next week there was like 40 people. And this is what we experienced. Financial provision for those that needed it. Healing of, of sick people for those that were sick. Radical mir- miracles in a small a be- uh, two-bedroom apartment in Costa Mesa. There was awe and wonder. I kid you not, that season marked my experience for what God would have me do in the future. 
Because all I knew was that that stuff's real. Let's just pray for everything that we need to pray for. So if there's a broken finger on the basketball court, we're going to lay hands on it. And most of the time it didn't happen. And actually every time it didn't happen in that case. But um, I just literally, our, our community just tried. We just went for it. We had, no, we had no experience. None of the people in that gathering had any experience except this desire to actually go for it. It's so hard. It's so uncomfortable. It, it, it's, it, your control of environments is gone when you say, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to move. Do you know how hard it is when God doesn't show up for the person leading that meeting? Uh, I'm talking about myself real quick. So it's such a vulnerable place. But this is what we need to be, obedient to the things of the Spirit. So, so my experience was this. And so over the years, the garden has tried a lot to create space for God to minister. And it is a discipline. What do I mean? It's not easy to create regular time for people to encounter God. But here's what I know, and this is why we do it. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, The, Spirit, the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And what happens every time we bring people forward? At the 915, we called some people forward for various things. People are crying. People are laughing. People are experiencing the joy of God. They're being ministered to, not because of words being spoken, but because the Spirit of God is blessing and ministering to their souls. And what I decided from that point forward is I would be a church, I would lead a church that would commit to the Spirit. And that meant for me losing lots of people. And our church as a staff, Pete Genta as a worship leader, our elders, um, all of us are committed to creating space for the Spirit to minister to His church. Now, I don't know what your experience has been. I want to talk through Ephesians real quick. So if you have a Bible, go to Ephesians. But your experience um, shapes what you view. And so many of us, we think of of being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Oftentimes, um, we think of being filled with the Spirit like this. Like we have one life, that's this cup, and this is God and His Spirit. And when we become saved, we are filled with the Spirit all the way up and once and for all in our lifetime there we go we're good you with me this is not a biblical concept okay it's not what the bible talks about when when we talk about being filled um and so what does the bible teach so go to ephesians chapter 5 remember we want to come to an understanding of of why um why we we commit to the spirit through the scriptures this is so important for us first of all um uh, a little background on Ephesians, just so you know, because we're, we're going to pick up in verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 18. But I, I don't like just topical preaching and just pulling out verses out of nowhere unless we have context. Now, Ephesians as a book is a very unique book because it's the only letter that Paul writes without um, something he's responding to. It's all of Scripture's occasional literature. You'll learn more about this tomorrow night if you come to my class. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that for tomorrow. Um, but Ephesians is a unique book because he's not responding to questions or concerns in the church in Ephesus. He's writing a general letter about what the church should be about. 
And the first three chapters of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, is the indicative of what God has done, who you are apart from Christ, and who you are in Christ. And some of those things are quite significant. He says, look, apart from Christ, you're dead in your transgressions, you're defeated, you're living in despair, you're addicted to harmful behaviors, uh, you're without hope, you're stuck in the same patterns of sin in life, you're isolated and alone, and apart from Christ, you're moving towards more and more isolation. Now, in my experience in life, apart from Christ, that is a pretty good description. But what he says is, in Christ, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're chosen before the creation of the world. You're holy. You're blameless. You're adopted as sons and daughters of the King. You're given grace. You're sealed with the Spirit. You're fellow citizens. You have access to the Father. You're the building blocks of God's temple. You're redeemed and forgiven as members of God's household. The gospel How good is that? So this is all that God has done for you. And then there's the pivot point. Remember we talked about this in Romans. And then he he changes the conversation in chapter 4. He says, therefore, live a life worthy of your calling. In view of all that God has done for you, therefore, live a life worthy of the calling you have. And then he begins to instruct the church on how they ought to live. Talks about sin issues, sexual immorality. Talks about living full of wisdom. Talks about not getting drunk with uh, uh, not getting drunk with wine. And then he says in verse eighteen, he says this. If you have a Bible, go to verse eighteen. And so he's giving instructions in chapter five for what the church is to do. He says, "Be filled with the Spirit." It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with spirit. Now, we have to understand the context and culture of Ephesus and Roman culture at this time. I know it's hard for us to connect with this passage, but imagine this. 2,000 years ago, when people wanted to hang out in, in gatherings, they did something called symposiums. And in Roman culture, you'd gather all of your friends and you'd bring all this alcohol and you'd drink until you're drunk. I mean, I know it's hard to relate. We don't experience that today, but Paul is dealing with, you know, a very contextual issue in the Roman culture that, so just have an imagination, jump with me to this, you know, modern day context. No, what is Paul saying? In his time, they didn't know how to operate as redeemed followers of Jesus. They just kept doing what culture did. Could you imagine? They just kept living like the world was living as followers of Jesus. Ha, 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 that's... Again, irony. But the point he says is, look, there are things in this world that will uh, allow your mind to be over, uh, allow your will, your heart, and your mind to be influenced by things that are not of God. So alcohol is a clear one because alcohol impairs our judgments, but not just our judgment, not just our mind and our ability. It impairs our will, the center of our ability to act, for our ability to choose. And don't be filled with things of the world that will impair your capacity to minister to the world and operate as a fellow citizen of God and Christ, as a redeemed, forgiven, holy saint. Don't be filled with those things, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is the instruction for the church. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, when, we say, when Paul says that, he doesn't mean just be filled once. Now, that's what it sounds like, but in Greek, it's a present continuous verb, which means be continually filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. 
This is the instructions for Christian life as redeemed people. Keep on being filled with the presence of God. Why? Well, I think my answer is we leak. I think, I think it's very simple. We leak. But also, in my experience, when we're filled with God, then Monday comes around the corner and we get stressed and anxious at work. We get filled with Netflix and we get filled with social media. We get filled with Facebook and all of a sudden our value in life, our purpose is now compared to our friends that have way more fun than we do. That travel like the nations and are taking pictures all over the world and we're jealous and we fill ourselves with all sorts of stuff. And so when we're filling ourselves with other things, alcohol, sex, things that God doesn't want and even things that are distractions that aren't necessarily sin, we empty ourselves of the presence of God. Now this isn't like a, a fact. This is my understanding and experience of this text in my own life. So I'm pretty... You know, so, but then when I, when I come back and gather with God's people, I just get, lift, I just get lifted up, right? On, on Tuesday night community group, when, when I get to pray, when I get to be a part of a loving community, it just, it literally fills me up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Every time I pray for my son before he goes to bed, and it's not all every night, unfortunately. I'm sorry I haven't done that consistently, but I'm trying. Lord, would you fill my son with your spirit? Every time I wake up in the morning and, and, and when I get time to do devotionals, because I know that's not always a priority in my life, is it? Uh, I say, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for health. Thank you that I have a home to live in. Thank you. I just bless him with thanksgiving. And then my, my next thing is because I know how the day's going to go, especially if I hit traffic. Lord, fill me with your, your spirit. Because traffic is going to suck the life out of me. I mean, I'm just speaking from my heart. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can prove this theologically as well. So Acts chapter 2, let's go to Acts 1 real quick. I just want to make a case that, that we, are to continually be, we are to continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, look, verse 5, For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized means to immerse. And, and it doesn't mean just to be dunked in water. That's the picture of what's happening. But the idea comes from the understanding of taking a piece of fabric and, and dipping it in a dye. And the very essence and nature of the fabric changes once it's dyed. You're going to be utterly changed from the inside out by being filled and baptized with the Spirit. And verse 8, the Spirit will give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses. Go to chapter 2, verse 4. So they wait in Jerusalem, like Jesus said, and the church is gathering, about 120 in the upper room. And verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues, which were known languages at the time, as the Spirit enabled them. So the church gathers, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to do stuff. And that stuff wasn't for them to be awesome. Look at all this cool stuff that's happening. Fiery tongues are floating around the room. It was for the sake of the world and witness. It's for being empowered for mission. And the very next thing is people are confused about what's happening. So Peter preaches the word and 3,000 people are saved. The Spirit always leads us to mission. He points us back to Jesus and leads us to mission. Because the Father sent the Son. The Son asked the Father to send the Spirit. And the Spirit sends the church to the world. That's how it works. So they're filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. But look at this. Two chapters later, they're being persecuted. And they pray again in verse 31 of chapter 4. 
After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. How many times have they, they been filled with the Holy Spirit so far? Twice. Two times. Why? I think because they leak. No, because there's a point. It's not once and for all. We need... Why? I guess the question is, why do we keep eating multiple meals a day? Why did I take another breath if I just breathed a breath? The Spirit of God is oxygen to the body of Christ. The Spirit of God is the fuel, the life source for the church. And without Him, we are secular Christians. Without the Spirit of God, we are secular Christians. We cannot go into all the nations, to the ends of the earth, reconcile all things with Jesus as ambassadors of reconciliation without the Spirit of God in our lives. Without the Spirit of God empowering us when we gather. Without the Spirit of God filling us to our full capacity. Are you with me? Acts um, 19, there's another story of of, uh, of the church being filled. And we, what we see throughout Scripture is the church and gather, the followers of Jesus are filled with the Spirit and stuff happens. And so we, we, we recognize that the Spirit is what enables mission. The Spirit is what brings transformation in our life. Remember, Jesus wants to do something in us so that He can do something through us. That is the Spirit of God in our own lives. But as a community, are you with me? So how do we continue to do this? Paul, in Ephesians, go back to Ephesians chapter 5. So he instructs the church to be continually filled. And what happens next is technical. He gives us five things that happen in a spirit-filled church. This is what will happen when we're, we're full of the Spirit. Notice what he doesn't say here. And notice what he does say in this particular text. Remember, we're going to count five things. Are you with me? There's five of them. So will you count with me? Number one, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, a Spirit-filled community speaks to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Some would say worship can affect a bystander. Whether you know this or not, when we gather, we're bringing in the songs we've been singing all week long. And some of us are carrying songs that need to be sung to the person next to us because they can't sing in the particular season they're living in. I remember when Alex's heart condition came back a few years ago, we were at Cohiba. It took a couple of weeks off and she, um, uh, it was just devastating to me because it was, it was, she had a heart condition and then it disappeared. And then it came back and it just wrecked my, my view of God. Why is this happening to me? All that stuff. It was just brokenness. I, was, I think I was 27 or something like that. She was 26. I'm like, how's this young, healthy wife? And now she's struggling. And we, we went to church and um, to the garden at Cohiba Nightclub. And, and we didn't want to be there. And I didn't want to be there. But we said, we're just going to show up to be around people that are worshiping. And, and we're just going to show up. And, and we sang a song. Hear the joyful sounds of our offering. As you, your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings. And the, uh, and the world will see that our God saves, our God saves. There is hope in your name. 
Mourning turns to songs of praise. Our God saves. Our God saves. I couldn't sing the song, but I wept as our community filled me up. Because I needed to be reminded. I needed somebody to speak a hymn, a reminder of the goodness of God. That's what we do when we come together. You with me? Point number one. Uh, So we sing songs. So he continues and he says... um, So when we're filled with the Spirit, we do this for one another. When we're filled with the Spirit, we sing, number two. Number three, we make music from from your hearts to the Lord. We make music, we sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. So this whole like gathering and having some various styles and genres of music is a 2,000 year old practice. Because when the people of God come together, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's extravagant, diverse worship. That's what happens. And have, if you've been to a gathering, I just talked to somebody at the 915, they're like, a couple weeks ago, at the 915 service, like something happened in worship. And remember, I told the 1115, like something did happen at 915. And, and for whatever reason, the people of God showed up like we normally do. We're doing our normal thing. But for whatever reason, you could experience and feel this environment where people were just going for worship. It, and this is the thing. I want to just give you permission to show up wherever you are, brokenness or joy. Some of us are here and we need to sing for those that are broken and can't sing. But when we show up, let's just do whatever we can to be present. And some Sundays, bass hit. I'm just letting you know. I show up on Sundays and I'm like, okay, that was a bass hit. Other Sundays, home run. Like, you know what I'm saying? Out of the park. Like, that was amazing. And most of the time it's amazing is when I actually have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I think as I'm preparing, this is going to be a terrible message. Jesus, help me. And something happens. But when I rely on my own talent and strength and think it's going to be awesome, people are going to get it, it's usually the bad messages. True story. I grade them. Based on how many laughs? No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But that's what we do. We come and we worship extravagantly. A spirit-filled community. Uh, it says... <clears throat> Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth thing that they do is give thanks to God for everything. Thanksgiving is the beginning of a meaningful relationship in the kingdom of God. Remember, this is the basis of all worship. Remember how uh, imprisonment to sin starts? It starts with ingratitude, according to Romans chapter 1. They didn't give thanks to God or recognize Him. And then it led to uh, idolatry and then immorality and then imprisonment. You with me? We, our, our church, as a spiritual church, is one where we sing for the others. We bring our songs for one another, but then we, we make music and sing songs from heart to God. And we, we uh, those both of those. And then the fourth thing is we always give thanks to God. Now, notice in your Bibles, if you would, and you'll learn more about this tomorrow night for those of you that are coming. Does yours have a chapter break? And it says in verse 21, uh, like right above that, instructions for Christian households. Okay, it does. Good. Um, Now, what's interesting is this is the fifth part of what happens in a spirit-filled community. And Paul's instructing the church on how to live. And his understanding is that a spirit-filled community, the spirit will not just, it's not just about singing songs. It's not just about signs and wonders and healings. It's not just about uh, speaking to one another or giving thanks. But the spirit-filled community is directly impacted in their everyday life. And verse 21 is number five. A spirit-filled community submits to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
What is submit? Mutual submission is a, a military concept where you willingly lay down your life under the other person for the sake of that person. And then it goes on to talk about marriage. Hey, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves his church. Uh, this is how you ought to live as parents and kids. And then it goes on to talk about um, servants and masters, talking about workplace, how the spirit-filled community works itself out in the family, in the, uh, first the marriage, then the family, then into the workplace, and then in all the world, the spirit-filled community, uh, the spirit impacts every aspect of our lives. Are you with me? It's not just about the gathering. Paul's giving us instructions on how to... Be filled with the Holy Spirit for the sake of everyday life. And I want the garden to be a spirit-filled church. I want, us, I want all of you to be fully filled with Jesus every time when you gather in the name of Jesus. I want that for you. I want you to have radical encounters with God that shape your life. Because why I'm committed to creating space, why we as a church are committed to doing this, even if nobody responds, calling people forward, is because I know that the greatest gift you can have is the Spirit Himself ministering to you. If you learn to hear God's voice and obey His voice, you are an unstoppable force to be reckoned with in this world. And for all my friends over the last years that have met Jesus and encountered the Jesus who is living and real and ministers to you in tangible ways with a loving hand and a prayerful voice behind you who's whispering words of affirmation, for all of you that have experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not just about the experience, but those that create space for the Spirit to fill them are empowered into life, not just in the church, but outside. That's the point. To go into the world with the power of God wherever you go. Spirit-filled church. Spirit-filled church then is a praying church. That's why we pray. We believe that we can preach the word, we can make music, but if we create space for God to move, if you let him, he will move. Sometimes, you know what, hey, you didn't show up today for me, but sometimes you showed up for your wife or your neighbor or the person next to you. So we, we, we're committed to praying. Spirit-filled church is a worshiping church. I'm going to keep calling us to worship with our whole lives, to sing, to put our hands up, to get on our knees. Because why? Because sometimes we have to remind our souls that we have to bless Him. And a spirit-filled church is a worshiping community. Spirit-filled church is a, a generous community. Generous community. You read all throughout Acts what happens when the Spirit fills the people of God. They start giving their stuff away to care for those that don't have enough. How cool is that? That's the church. You want, to be, you want to be a generous church? Be filled with the Spirit. I could pre- preach about finances all day long, but until you surrender your way to Jesus and His Spirit, you will not be fully generous with your life. And that's a struggle for most of us. A Spirit-filled church is missional. Oh, I missed it. Missional. I'm out of, I forgot. Thank you, John. Um, and, and I already said this, but the Spirit leads us into the world. And in fact... The more and more I meet with those that are, are full of the Spirit, those that I would say like exude this presence of God about them, and most of them are old, like in their 60s and 70s. Just kidding. Some of you are here. Really, for me, it's like 40s. You know, once you're in your 40s. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But this, whether it doesn't matter of the age, but really Spirit-filled people are servants. And they, they go into the world and they're just serving people wherever they go. That's the mission of God. They're continuing the mission. A spirit-filled church is all about Jesus. Whenever somebody experiences God and, and through prayer, the, the, the result should be them blessing Jesus. With 
So if there's a word of knowledge, like what happened to me eight years ago, that led to this powerful encounter with God, I wasn't so much fascinated by the word of knowledge as I was with Jesus being so real in that moment. A spirit-filled church is all about Jesus. A spirit-filled church is a powerful church. I think part of the problem with the church today, in my opinion, um, is that it's comfortable in programming. It's comfortable in doing what's worked in the past or what other people did in their own context. Uh, not in releasing the power of God for all of the church. All of Jesus' ministry is available for all of the church. We are to be spirit-filled followers of Jesus that operate in power. Um, just on, on and what do I mean? Well, power, here's some things. Power that to, to make disciples of all nations, to go into every country in the world and make disciples. Power to witness to the ends of the earth. These are all commissions from Jesus. Power to proclaim the gospel with word and deed. But simply power to continue to do what Jesus did. Cast out demons, heal the sick, uh, set captives free. We do prayer training here because we believe in that power of God. I have watched numbers, countless people encounter God in powerful, tangible ways when they've experienced prayer here in community groups or third Wednesday through our time where God just meets them. I mean, serious addictions, physical healings, past memories that have literally prevented present relationships. I've seen time and time again with just simple obedience by coming forward and receiving prayer or saying, I need prayer and training people to effectively get out of the way and let God minister. You know how we train people at the garden how to pray? To wait on God. Not to jump in with all of the, the words that you want to speak, but to wait and just listen to God. And then the best thing you could say is, Lord, more of you. More of you in their life. Bless what you're doing here. Uh, we had this more conference this week. How many of you came to more? Awesome. Yeah, a great night here. Wednesday and Friday was excellent. But I'll tell you, when we talk about having power and authority, we have to be trained to deal with all sorts of kinds of people in the world because they're hurting. They need to be released. There are captives in this world. Whether you believe this or not, I see them all the time. And most of the church hasn't been trained. We haven't discipled our church to operate in the power of God. It's, it's, we are naturally supernatural natural as followers of Jesus. Do you know this? And it's not just for the trained professionals. It's for all of us. And so on Friday night, I had a time to pray. And we we're praying for people. And I watched two leaders praying for this woman. And she, um, she wouldn't let anyone touch her. She was snarling at one point. Saying very strange things like spirit of Jezebel, all these weird things she was saying. And, uh, and she was t- twisting this thing and she was rolling her eyes in the back of her head. And the people on the side were just praying, oh, thank you, Lord, you know, Jesus. And they didn't know what to do with her. They wouldn't let her touch her. And, and, and I, I, I'm just going to let you know, when you come across oppressed individuals by, by demonic spirits, or possess individuals, which is usually a lot less, more oppression and affliction than possession. But in this particular case, possession, Friday night. You can stand in the authority of Jesus and command out evil spirits. Do you know that? It doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be scary. It's not like scary movies or anything like that. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's very much like that. It's terrifying. But the enemy comes to terrify, to make you afraid, and he comes to lie. 
And so there, you would think there'd be a, a battle, a power battle. But when someone's operating in the power of God and can come with authority and just say, in the name of Jesus, this, you're a daughter of the king. Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden they're experiencing the peace of God. They can let you touch them. There's a victory because you set a captive free. All of you, if you said yes to Jesus, are invited to that ministry. We need you. And I'm going to say, especially in Long Beach, this city needs powerful Christ followers that will be willing to stand in the reality of what is in front of them and set captives free and heal the sick and release people onto their divine story by being a prayerful presence that's full of the Holy Spirit. You with me? How do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, The question is, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, I want you to imagine this is a kiddie pool. Oh, wait, it is. But imagine it's full of water. And we talk about the Holy Spirit as Christians. And this is what my experience has been. And it's really kind of like, oh, I want the Holy Spirit. Yes, it feels really warm and comfortable in there. And then some of us are even brave to be like, okay, I'm going to keep my foot planted here and just, you know, dabble in as, oh, yes, we're going to worship Jesus. You know, uh, someone might give a call and, and, and uh, from stage and be like, oh, is, is that somebody here? And they're like, yep, it's me. You know, and it's like we're dabbling. Some of us are begin. we want the spirit and we begin to live in this tension where literally inside of us, there's a resistance to the things of the spirit. Like we're getting prayer and God's coming. Like we feel this peace, but inside we're just battling these things. We're battling our past, our perspective. Is this God? I don't know. And we, we want to live on the comfortable control side. But this, this is the watery side. And we don't really get this side. It's mysterious. And, 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 and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pouring ourselves out, but we're here. And some of us are really comfortable here. And we, we splash around. And, you know, we're like, yes, we'll pray for people. But, do you know, this is a terrible illustration for being full of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that this is your life. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit isn't to, for God to just pour some water in there. It's for Him to throw you into the Pacific Ocean. When we talk about being filled, the Spirit-filled community, we talk about that. Not this. Not, not that. Being fully immersed in the incredible source of life that is God. Like being thrown into the Pacific Ocean. You with me? Do you want more? Do you want to be filled? If you want to be filled, I want to give you some very practical steps on how I've seen people, how I've tried to help people pray. Because you know what happens? Some people are literally will come forward and experience like crazy amounts of healing and radical encounters with God. And I'm usually the person that goes, gosh, like wh- why not me? And I'll go track down that prayer person and be like, hey, will you pray for me? Like I saw what you did to them. And they'll just pray and there's nothing. Like nothing. No, nothing at all. In fact, that's, Always, it seems to be my experience all the time. Other times God ministers to me. Some of you have been praying for so long. And you're so desperate to like meet Jesus in a tangible way. As I'm talking right now, you're like, yes, that, I want this. I want this. I want this. And you feel like you're left out. You feel like you're not good enough. God's going to meet you today. His promise is for you too. Here's, here are some steps. Number one, ask. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Luke 11, how much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Posturing yourselves in a place of receiving. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? 
Remember, we're continually in this process, so continue to ask. The second step is to wait then. If you asked, don't say, okay, it didn't come, I'll see you later. And very practically speaking, if you come forward and you want God to meet you, if God's stirring inside of you, you want somebody to pray, wait. And you know what happens? In my experience, someone might come and pray and, you know, nothing happens. No no experience, no great prayer. Uh, But for those who wait on the Lord, they'll be met. So just stand there and wait. Or if you're at home and you ask God, wait for God to fill you. Wait for him to touch you. And then let's say days go by. Don't start thinking he doesn't care about you. Just intentionally put yourself in a place of, God, I'm still waiting. Can you do that? We're so instant in our culture and society today that we've lost the ability to actually wait on the Lord. Uh, Completely side note separate. Some of you get words for other people and you need to wait on those words for the right time. Okay? That's just an encouragement on the side. Three. Uh, if you want to you be filled with the Holy Spirit, read His Word. I love when people come to me and say, I really want to learn how to hear God's voice. I say, read the Bible. <laughs> no, seriously, I want to hear like God's voice. I'm not, no, 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 seriously, read the Bible. It is the Word of God to you. I, I can't, I, it really frustrates me that the church which uh, stands on, on believing that God came in the human form, He died for our sins and has been raised from the dead. We come to church, but we don't read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak, if you want to be a spirit-filled Christian, read the Scriptures. I promise you your life will be more full of God. Fourth thing, fourth thing is, I love this one. And this is what happened to me and Alex when we went to Cohiba a few years ago when we were suffering. We just showed up. And we surrounded ourselves with a worshiping environment. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Show up, uh, and show up to a community that's worshiping. Partic- just show up and hang around those that have it. Hang around with those that have it. And oftentimes they're the ones that are, have like childlike faith, right? You like that tie-in? Show up to the community. Number five, serve others. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Serve others. Serve others. The most spirit-filled people are those that are thinking about other people, not themselves. And the last one is simple. It's just pray and practice. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You want to learn how to use the gifts? Pray for other people. Practice the gifts. Do you think Mike Pilavachi, the guy who spoke last week, uh, on, on Friday, he said, hey, somebody's here who, who was electrocuted in their past and is afraid of touching objects, um, and you're a female. That's a pretty specific word of knowledge. Would you agree? And someone raised their hand and said, that's me, a female, actually. How do you think he learned that? Practicing. Do you know how many times he's failed? Thousands of times. But he keeps showing up, praying for people, and practicing the gifts, creating space for God to speak. So every time you're in a community group, wait on the Lord. Practice praying for each other. Use whatever God gives you, words of knowledge, visions. Just learn. It's a safe environment to grow in the things of the Spirit. And I promise you, God will meet you, and you will be a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus. And as a church, we are committed to the Spirit. I'm inviting you to commit to being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
to not go in the ways of comfort and control, but in the ways of freedom and power by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Shall we wait on the Holy Spirit together and worship? Is that a reluctant yes? <laughs> oh, it's a reluctant yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, I just invite you to close your eyes. I'll invite the worship team up here. invite the Holy Spirit to minister and everything I've just shared why don't you just invite where you are the Holy Spirit to fill you just say Holy Spirit will you fill me fill me with your presence thank you Lord as a spirit filled community we, um, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. We, we have to risk in multiple ways. One, we risk by allowing words to be spoken. Hey, is this you? Would you stand or come forward? And the other is to risk by saying, actually, that is me. So I, I shared already, but if, I know this is a really tough one. But if you're willing to, to stand and, and say, that's me, uh, if you feel like you've been left out for whatever reason with this stuff that I'm talking about, would you just stand? Thank you for being so brave. That's amazing. Thank you. So encouraging. Uh, the second thing I want to pray for, just stay standing for a moment, is for those that are hungry for the gifts. Like everything I'm talking about, you're on board with everything, but you just want more of the gifts. The gifts are something that you, you're, you've been praying, God, would you give me specific gifts? If that's you, would you stand as well? Hmm, thank you. Awesome. So encouraging. Okay, so uh, I'm going to just have you guys come forward right now. Do you mind just being, you've already stood up and now we're all staring. Would you just come forward and create just space? I would love to pray for you. Um, and here's what I'm passionate about right here. To release the church for, for the mission of God in the world. The gifts are for building the church. The gifts are for building the church. You guys can spread out right here. It's such an amazing response. Thank you guys. And uh, we're going to all stand now and worship. But these guys right here, would you stay here? We're going to invite our prayer team down. But I'm just going to pray as before we worship. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to minister to us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that have sat on the sidelines and feel left out. Would you put them in the game today? And for those that are hungry for the gifts to operate in a new way, would you bless them with your presence? In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.